Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of 2021. We really hope that with vaccine around the corner and businesses opening up, we see a lot many business deals, some materializing and a few becoming the subject of our podcast. You are listening to The Deal That Wasn't. I'm Harsh and I have with me Jay. And today we are going to talk about social media. So Jay, why don't you tell our audience why did we actually choose this topic? Firstly, a happy new year to all our listeners. Hopefully this year brings you a lot of prosperity. So Harsh, coming to your question. You see, January has been heavily influenced by social media. It started with ex-US President Trump inciting his supporters to breach Capitol Hill with a series of tweets. While on the other side, we also saw WhatsApp updating its privacy policy and receiving a huge public backlash. So much so that it had to run a wide media campaign providing clarifications. With so many things happening, we thought to dig deeper into how social media has evolved over the years. And coincidentally, we came across a story wherein the current social media giant, Facebook, had offered to sell itself twice in two years to erstwhile market leader MySpace, which of course did not happen. And there lied the genesis for our next episode of The Deal That Wasn't. Well, we are talking of the year 2000s, where Napster and Torrent were the kings and iPods and Zoom were the hottest thing. YouTube had just launched and the type of content that was being produced was raw and exciting. Earlier in the same decade was born the pioneer of social media sites. It was not MySpace, nor Facebook. Yeah, that name was Friendster. Created in 2002 in Malaysia, Friendster showed a lot of promise and it inspired few employees of eUniverse, which was a LA-based internet marketing company. Those two employees were Chris DeWolf and Tom Anderson. They started working on their own social media platform, taking all the good things from Friendster. And MySpace was ready to launch within 10 days. They also started organizing internal competition to sign up more friends, awarding cash prizes as high as $1000. People quickly flocked to the site and it became the tech success of Los Angeles. A couple of years later in 2005, MySpace was acquired by Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation. And guess the amount at which it was acquired. $580 million. Let's listen to the eUniverse's CEO Richard Rosenblatt on how he closed the deal by positioning MySpace as a new age marketing company. Today, people are finally realizing that it makes sense to advertise in social networks or communities. Back then, no one believed that advertisers would ever come. So, you know, there was a meeting between myself, Mr. Murdoch, Peter Chernin, and uh, Ross, where I explained the business model very simply. I said that, you know, uh, this is the perfect media company. The users generate their own content, so you have no content costs. The uh, users invite their friends, so you have no distribution or customer acquisition costs, and all you need to do is sell the ads. Literally at that moment, uh, we knew a deal was done. I mean, a deal was done that quick. We shook hands on a price. While MySpace was establishing itself as a force to reckon with, it was approached by a small website called Facebook. Its founder, Zuckerberg, was asking a price of $75 million. 
it was just too much in myspace's eyes this is perhaps the first bullet that myspace shot into its own foot but they would not realize it until it was too late in 2006 only a year after newscorp's acquisition myspace surpassed google as the most visited site on the internet Rupert Murdoch's news empire was evolving into the digital age and MySpace quickly became one of the future pillars of News Corp. And continuing the trend, 2007 was a great time for the company. It was the undisputed king of social networks and its user base continued to grow. But Facebook, that small startup which they had passed on acquiring only 2 years earlier, was gaining momentum. but for now it was myspace's time and there was no reason for them to be looking over their shoulder myspace had an 80% share of social networking traffic while facebook its nearest competitor had 10 times less traffic myspace boasted over 300 million registered users and the company was now worth that 12 billion dollar mark well the cracks had begun appearing soon after the acquisition The founders Chris DeWolf and Tom Anderson were now supposed to report to executives, and this usually meant jumping through the corporate loops to get things done. Now, one main advantage that startups have over the big companies is their ability to make decisions and implement them quickly. With this acquisition at the hands of a media giant, MySpace lost its startup edge. the company now had financial objectives to meet each quarter executives stressed to meet advertising revenue targets well this all meant that monetization was put ahead of the product and the consumer experience took a back seat newscorp was even trying to push lowbro ads such as rotting teeth and weight loss founders had to fight really hard to stop this from happening all of this constrained myspace While across town, Facebook was free to add features as they pleased. Facebook also allowed external developers to build any applications for the platform. MySpace, on the other hand, tried to build all of their apps in-house. This was a fatal flaw, as it killed the positive network effects of the platform business. MySpace ads became fueled with bugs, and the company struggled as they realized that they bit off more than they can chew. This, of course, led to bad user experiences. Now another fundamental problem was the website's architecture. Initially built with the software Cold Fusion, the site had soon outgrown the programming language. While it was good to get to the market quickly and beat out the competition, it wasn't suitable for scaling my space past 2005. But now it was too late to change to open source software as this would have taken years to implement. This wasn't an option for my space as it was already growing exponentially at this stage well for myspace all these issues may have been easy to ignore as the website was still growing by 300000 people per day and then myspace got hit with a second problem and this could not have been ignored easily now stories began to spread about minors being exposed to adult material on myspace in response attorney generals all over the united states began launching investigations into the safety of MySpace 
and the company had to quickly scramble to implement safety and privacy measures. As this happened, their development cycle turned into crisis management and innovation was left by the wayside. For Facebook, this controversy around MySpace was a blessing in disguise. The company was able to hide behind MySpace as they took the brunt of public's concern. MySpace also couldn't build up proper spam filter. And this only fueled the perception that MySpace was a shady place with buggy apps and extensive ads. MySpace had gone past the point of no return. Soon, a shift in momentum happened. People began to switch over to Facebook and in 2008, Facebook overtook MySpace in global users. With this, MySpace's fall from grace had begun. Meanwhile, Rupert Murdoch, the head of News Corp, shifted his focus from MySpace to his latest acquisition, the Wall Street Journal. In 2009, with Rupert Murdoch seeming not to care about the company and being overrun with competitors such as Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter, the two founders, Chris DeWolf and Tom Anderson, went onto TV to make a last-ditch effort to get Rupert Murdoch's attention, hoping perhaps this interview would make him realize the potential of MySpace again. It didn't work. A few months later, founders resigned in lesser roles. In coming months, 30% of MySpace's US employees and 66% of overseas employees were laid off. The new CEO of, of MySpace resigned only after just one year. His successor lasted only four months. The ship was sinking. News Corp cut the losses into 2011 and MySpace was purchased for a meager of $35 million by Specific Media Group and Justin Timberlake. Yeah, you heard it right, Justin Timberlake, the singer. MySpace, once worth $12 billion, it was the most visited site on the internet. It was the place to be in the mid-2000s. So what killed MySpace? Was it the outdated programming language? Or the Newscorp acquisition? The unsafe and negative brand image due to offensive ads? Or the pass-on purchasing of Facebook? Now if we think, all these equally contributed to the demise of MySpace. Facebook did not win social media battle because it had the superior product. It was ably supported by MySpace's bad decisions. Even Sean Parker, Facebook's first president, said that Facebook only won because MySpace blew it. Let's listen to him. I can tell you exactly what happened at Friendster. It was bad management. You know, it wasn't platform shift. It was a bad management team that couldn't keep their servers running. They couldn't, couldn't maintain simple things like the integrity of their database. People's messages were getting corrupted. The login times, the load times for every page were going up. Uh, and that created an opening in the marketplace where MySpace was able to enter. Uh, MySpace never would have existed if Friendster had been a properly managed company. And I was close to that because uh, mo most of my friends were investors. I was an advisor to the CEO. We were all screaming the sky is falling and nobody was doing anything about it. I mean, that's a classic case of where a company just blew it. 
and, 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 and MySpace is another case where a company just blew it. Facebook had no chance to win. We should not have won the market. The network effects at MySpace were so powerful. The only reason we won was because of the gross incompetence of MySpace systematically over a period of many years. <laughs> Did I just say that publicly? Now, MySpace did not give up so easily. They had multiple redesigns in an attempt to restore a once most popular site in the world. But so far nothing has worked. MySpace has been sold two more times and is now in the hands of the Meredith Corporation. The newest direction for the MySpace is music. It's trying to become the social network of music lovers and musicians. Well, this makes sense as initially MySpace was always heavily focused on the music aspect of the network. And the market too is moving towards niche platforms. Of late, the trend is shifting from all for one platforms like Facebook to niche platform for specific uses like Instagram for photos, TikTok for short videos, Tinder for dating, etc. Probably Facebook has anticipated this shift and therefore they are going all out. After buying WhatsApp and Instagram and integrating all of their chats in one platform, they have just announced Facebook dating. Two thousands was such a unique time for the development of new platforms. However, two decades later, we are entering a new paradigm. The concept of social media is evolving. WhatsApp is facing a huge backlash because of the new privacy policies. People are all the more aware of their rights and they don't want social media to track their daily activities. How will this lead to the evolution of new platforms? That only time will tell. But we can say one thing for sure that social networks are not going to go anywhere and will continue to be an integral part of our life. Well folks, that's all from this episode of The Deal That Wasn't. We will be bringing you the interesting insights from the world of business, stories about the missed opportunities, the disruption in the industry and many more. So stay tuned. And of course, do let us know your feedback and follow us on social media. This is Harsh and Jay signing off. Keep listening. Thank you.